today with Kush Rawalk, um, Commercial Director at So Resi, the shared ownership brand by Thames Valley Housing and Platinum sponsor of the upcoming Resi Convention. He's here, he's going to be talking to us today with Martin Bellinger, Executive Chairman at Guildmore, a family-run housing provider working with housing associations and other providers to deliver high-quality homes. Today we're going to be talking about the evolving UK housing sector and the role that housing associations can play. Martin, I'm going to start with you. Um, We're still in the midst of a pretty major housing crisis here in the UK. What do you think is the best way to deliver high quality, affordable homes quickly and effectively? Goodness, that's a very big question. Um, I I love the way you say we're still in the midst of a major housing crisis as if it'll have quietly gone away somehow. Um, how do we solve the housing crisis? Uh, that's, a, as I said, a very wide question. Everyone's agreed that we need more homes. We need more homes of all kinds and uh, of every type of tenure. So it's not just about affordable homes. It's about mid-range homes. It's about helping people buy homes, helping people rent homes and providing more affordable rented homes as well. Um, the volume house builders cater reasonably well for the build for sale market as well as they can but uh, beyond that it's down to housing associations and various other franchisees in the sector to provide what are not mainstream housing for sale we've seen the emergence of build to rent which i've played a part in in my past But uh, build to rent itself isn't the white knight coming over the hill. It's it's a part of the uh, help to increase supply. But what we desperately need is more affordable homes. It starts there. And the the succession of mergers that we've seen in the housing association sector are supposedly going to deliver more affordable housing through efficiencies of scale. But we've yet to see that, I think, flow through. Um, Yes, there are issues with land supply in the UK that are well documented. Yes, there are issues with planning that, again, are well documented and narrated. But we need to make progress on all of these fronts if we're going to increase housing supply throughout the tenure range. Kush, would you agree with that? Yeah, no, totally. If we look at the um, scale of the problem, um, it's growing and growing and growing. Uh, 50 years ago, when many of the housing associations were set up, there's a very clear group of people that they were there to design to to help. Uh, People living in temporary accommodation, people living in unsanitary housing situations. But actually, we've now got a situation, it doesn't matter if you're degree educated, you've got middle class parents through to you growing up on the local housing estate, the chances are you're not going to be able to access a home that you need to fulfill your life. So the, the demand in the core there is, um, and the size of it is radically different and changing. Martin mentioned um, around the developer market and the work that they do. But let's not forget that even within that marketplace, without things like help to buy, that um, their ability to deliver and cater for for the first-time buyer in in general housing market would be pretty difficult. So we've got a housing market here, really, that is absolutely uh, crying out for more funding, for more assistance, and ultimately providing people a bit of a fighting chance to, to move on with their life. Great. Thank you.
Um, in Holland, to solve their own housing crisis, the government have made additional funding available for affordable housing by hiking up taxes on tourists and increasing inner-city parking fees for non-residents. These two policies will raise the capital to invest in, in the design and delivery of affordable homes in key development zones um, within the city. Do you think the UK government should look at this type of solution to boost social housing development? And I'm going to start with Kush. So providing funding towards the delivery of affordable housing is important. You know, in this country, we've always had a tradition of uh, recognising that providing some form of state support is helpful and it will help move things forward. However, the problem is much wider and deeper than that. Um, it's about access to land. Martin mentioned that earlier. It's about having a planning system that's actually going to expedite and make things work. Um, so you never say no to additional funding, but it's more around a holistic approach where we've got all the parts working much closer together and better. Martin, would you agree with that? What we need is a holistic approach? Yeah, I think so. I've done a couple of uh, pieces um, on the, the Dutch situation, and I think it's quite an interesting model. Um, this idea that uh, there's effectively a tax on non-residents uh, to provide homes for residents of a city it's um it's quite unique in its in its concept in europe it were it seems to be working there um it's certainly uh, bold but kush is right the, there's no point in having more funding if you've got nowhere to build these homes if you've not got access to the the land supply um and if you can't facilitate the construction of these homes through the planning process um here in london We've got a very, very crowded city. There are very, very few what I would call green sites. Almost all of our development for many years now has been on so-called brownfield land, the redevelopment and reuse of existing land at greater intensity and density. And even that is fiercely fought over. We have a, you know, a, a very, very um, constrained land market because the city itself is constrained by the green belt and I'm not saying that with prejudice either way it's just the way the city has evolved since the 1950s when sort of spatial planning first came in um, so I, I, I would say it's a cautious yes in terms of the uh, the, the Dutch idea, but the, the idea of raising additional capital funding from tourists or people who live outside of the city only goes so far. You do need the land supply and you do need the, the planning speeded up to enable these homes to become a reality. Great. Thank you very much. Um, Kush, will housing associations have to partner up with private developers and form long-term strategic relationships to build capacity and deliver the more homes that we desperately need? In a simple answer, yes. Um, there's a lot of work that's gone in over the last decade for the sector, really, the housing association sector, that is, to move forward in terms of how it delivers the homes that are desperately needed. It, our history is around uh, receiving government grant, using that grant to then build homes. And we did that relatively successfully. However, in the new environment that we're in and the, the pressures and challenges that we've already touched on. It needs something a little bit different. 
So we've been working uh, collectively with uh, other public bodies like local authorities looking at land uh, that they may own and how we might best provide that for affordable housing. We also have been partnering with other public sector organisations like the NHS where they've got an absolute um, need for housing for their staff. They've got vast estate which is underutilised and we go in there and we try and provide solutions for them. The next evolution of that really is uh, the partnerships between the public, uh, sorry, the private sector. So a lot of what we're seeing happening today is investment in things like build for sale, build to rent, and there are vibrant partnerships that are there between housing association sectors, contractors, developers, which are really delivering pretty strong results. At Thames Valley Housing, for example, we have a partnership with Galliford Tri, and uh, we're on our seventh scheme there. And it's a very simple approach where we're saying we're dual investors in, in uh, build for sale, and it enables both parties really to take a, a more of a um, consolidated approach to a site, one that we might not do on our own individually, but one where collectively we're quite happy to take that approach and take the risk. Great. Martin, would you agree with that? You think uh, housing associations partnering up with private developers is a good idea? I think actually a lot of housing associations, you mustn't lose sight of the fact, a lot of housing associations through merger and um, acquisition have become in many ways equivalent to private developers, certainly in size, output and scale. Um, the likes of L&Q and, and others, uh, you know, in the G15 are, are now very, very significant development companies in their own right. Um, Kush is right that the, uh, the changed funding landscape has meant that the role of housing associations has changed fundamentally and they have had to embrace private development as a means of cross-subsidising their core business of providing affordable homes. Now, there is an argument that uh, private sector developers have been doing it for decades and decades, in some cases hundreds of years, and have built up um, greater efficiencies. And there may be some, some strength in that argument, and that those greater efficiencies could percolate through to the housing associations were they to work more effectively together in the kind of JV structure that, that Thames Valley are with, with Galliford's. Whether that, um, you know, whether that takes on a, a large scale um, remains to be seen. At the moment, the appetite in the housing association world seems to be much more for uh, the the merger and acquisition model, leading to a, a much greater output of private homes to cross subsidise the affordable piece. Um, L and Q are now even building their own homes. They have their own in-house construction business, and you could see more housing associations going down that road. On the other hand, you can see them pairing up with the private sector. I don't think you, that either is right or wrong. What we need is greater efficiency and more output. And frankly, uh, any means that achieves that is probably a good thing in this sector. Just like to add to that, I mean, the sector is quite a broad church. We've got providers with a thousand homes through to providers with over a hundred thousand homes. And the resource behind that individual organization and their scale and their ambition and their ability is really a byproduct of that. Um, it goes without saying that look, ultimately the sector has a shared vision and mission, I'd say, and it is around actually trying to 
resolve some of the issues or try and alleviate some of the pressures that are there from the housing crisis. And I think ultimately, however we go about it, as long as we're out there building new homes, working hard to try and make those happen, um, it's, it's an equal, equal sort of position, really. Okay, great. Thank you, Kush. Um, I'll finish by asking, if, does the government need to introduce more measures to boost initiatives like shared ownership or build to rent to help first-time buyers? Adam, we'll start with you, Kush. Okay, so we know the government have introduced uh, something called the Help to Buy. Now, in 2021, it may disappear, which would be a, uh, a massive change for the market, a big change, really, because most developers that we're working with will tell you that almost 60, 50 to 60% of the sales that they've got going through are dependent on Help to Buy. So we have got a market that really is driven off the back of a product that provides government subsidy and keeps the market moving. Um, so my view would be that absolutely it will be great to see even more support for things like shared ownership. Shared ownership's been around for um, over three decades. We've got you know, tens of thousands of people who have bought, have bought into the product. It works and it does have an impact on people's lives. Um, there's a lot of work that's being done at the moment through the sector, through people like the NHF and CIH to really drive forward the benefits of shared ownership and really try and bring the mainstream argument that it's a product that can work for a broad range of people. Um, things like build to rent absolutely are a key piece of the picture as well. You look at the, the fact that you've got people coming out of university in their first jobs, you want this economy to drive forward, they need a decent place to live. Is it going to be adequate for someone in their 30s to be sharing uh, a room you know, in a house? Is that necessarily how people want to move their lives forward? So if there's uh, a real push for these things, which there clearly are, the demand's there, I think there's, there's an argument there that we should be doing more. And there should be initiatives out there really to make it happen at a greater pace. And Martin, very quickly before we wrap up, your thoughts on government initiatives? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's imperative that the government r retains um, some kind of initiative in the sector. Kush is right, Help to Buy has a finite life scale and it has been a massive boost to the housing market, certainly in London and the South East, but, but also wide, wider field. Um, shared ownership has provided uh, a footway onto the housing ladder for, you know, hundreds of thousands of people across the country. It's a, it's a very good product. It's a particularly effective product in areas where uh, sales values are expensive and it enables um, affordable homes to be provided in those areas for people to buy. Um, poor, poor old shared ownership has, has suffered a bit in the press recently because of the uh, statistics around the amount of uh, shared ownership um, cash that is... Uh, ineffectively recycled um, into new homes when people staircase out to 100% ownership. And certainly there is a way, uh, I think that there's got to be a, a way investigated to get greater efficiency in that, in that recycling of cash and the, and the reprovision of homes because there does seem to be, on the face of it, an awful lot of that money exhausted in administering the scheme. And I think that's something that... Uh, uh, both government and the various housing agencies are looking at at the moment. Um, as far as future initiatives go, it's difficult to see what will come along. I mean, you know, only five years ago, the centrepiece of the, 
the Cameron Osborne government was starter homes, and yet we barely hear anything about starter homes now, although I believe they're still uh, on the statute book and could be theoretically provided. It's not something that the Development or the Housing Association community have embraced with any vigour, but maybe the next thing after help to buy will be something back along those lines. We don't know. Uh, one thing's for sure, I don't think the government can uh, walk away from the housing market. It has to continue to provide stimulus to get people onto the housing ladder, and it has to provide stimulus to get more affordable homes built as well. So it's a difficult juxtaposition there, but it is doable. Great. Well, thank you very much to Kush and to Martin for our conversation today. If you are interested in hearing more on this subject and many others affecting the uh, housing sector in the UK, you can join us at the Resi Convention on the 12th to 14th of September this year. Um, thank you again. Thank you. Thanks very much.